0: named our podcast the World Class Agency podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have.
1: What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you?
0: World Class Estate
2: Agency is all about people. A good estate agency
1: add, adds an incredible
2: amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being
1: approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world class agency look to you. hello and welcome to today's episode of the world-class agency podcast um, the boys are back in town i'm mark Laurel. and i'm joined by sam hunter for the first time in what feels like a long time sam how are you my friends
0: i'm very very well i think everybody listening is probably going to be very happy to hear your voice opening the show rather than mine particularly as nasally as it's been over the last few weeks it's good to have you back mate welcome back
1: yeah it's 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 nice to be back together i think i did we missed a week i did one on my own and you've done two on your own so they i think they are definitely more challenging on their own and i get miles more value um, when we're able to bounce ideas off each other and hopefully our listeners do too so really looking forward to uh Getting
0: back on the horse today. I, I, I'm right there with you. I'm not sure how those podcasters or interviewers or whoever it is that build really successful audiences just talking to themselves because it is so challenging to not get any feedback from someone. You know, one of the things we say to our guests every week is the reason we do this with our videos on is so that we can have a conversation like we're actually having a conversation. It's not just audio. And there's a bit about us not talking over the top of each other as well, which doesn't seem to happen at the best of times anyway. But (laughs) to to recap, particularly the recap, I I find the intros easy enough because you can just go on a bit of a rant when no one's there reining you in. No, you don't run, there. No. Um, But when you're trying to recap and recount the thoughts of another individual just after they've shared them and see if there's any way you can add or extract more value from those, it's really difficult without being like you said being able to bounce off somebody or being able to to see someone's head nodding or sometimes the head shaking with what the fuck are you talking about so <laughs> i'm very glad that we got the band back together um and i'm really looking forward to today
1: yeah ab- absolutely um and apologies on my behalf a couple of scheduling conflicts bit of a family holiday in there as, as well we've not missed very many. I think this is, is this going to be 118, 119. Yeah, um, close to it. Some, something like that. So we've not missed very many, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll try and be much more consistent moving forward. But before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to um, thank, thank you and also thank all of the listeners as well. It's been, probably, it's been, oh, it's been ages, probably a month since I did the marathon now. But do you know what? We've, not, we've, we've hardly spoken about it. So one thing that got me through that horrendous ordeal, I did not enjoy it at all, by the way. One thing that got me through was knowing that we talked about it publicly on this podcast and knowing that if I was going to stop, then I would have to come on and say, oh, do you know what, I failed, I got cramped after 12 miles, blah, 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 all those excuses that I could have used. So thank you to you and thank you to all the listeners because genuinely it was that. You know, Again, it comes back to sort of what we talked about this time last year and that accountability when you put Mm. something out publicly, you've either got to achieve it or you've got to face the, face the very brutal failure of not doing it. I
0: I don't think there was ever any doubt of you actually completing that, you know, you'd put in the hard yards and it was always going to be tough. You know, if you ever decide to run another marathon again, it'll be infinitely like genuinely unmeasurably easier because you've done it already. You know, your body knows what it's capable. Your brain can't tell you to piss off anymore. So I, I, you know, it's very nice of you to sort of say that everybody listening played a small part in getting over that line. But I think you put in the hard work and you, you had that consistency and you got yourself there and actually now you've got a winner's medal around your neck, not actually around your neck today. That'd be a
1: bit weird. it?
0: Yeah, You're like one of those guys that goes to a festival and you keep the wristband on for the next year. Um, (laughs) He doesn't have his medal on for everyone listening, by the way, Um, (laughs) unless it's under your shirt. You do look very smart this morning. Um, but I think, yeah, it's it's a moment you've got to look back and be proud of. And actually, it's it shows you, you, you get out what you put in. You know, you worked your ass off and you got the result. That is the reality of the market that we sort of find ourselves in now. If we turn this back to the state agency for 30 seconds before our guest arrives, it's, you know, we put out a... I did a video on Facebook Live last week uh, off the back of the podcast that we recorded last week um, about how you get people motivated and thinking about moving house now, whether they're actually going to move or not is irrelevant. You've got to get the sign listing agreements and you've got to put them away behind a locked door to make sure that nobody else can get access to them. Your competitors, anybody, right? Private sales, people knocking on doors. Um, And that's been really well received. And a lot of people were like, actually, I have been sort of order taking and I have been saying, I'll call you next year to all these people. When the reality is, both of them and I were thinking that selling means right move when Mm -hmm. actually selling means organizing and getting everything ready. It doesn't actually mean moving house. It doesn't actually mean viewings. It means doing all the steps in the process that we probably leave until after we're ready to rock and roll ahead of time. So that when everybody's ready, everything's lined up and you've got control over that person's, you know, move you've got their instruction you're going to help them find new stuff you can talk to people who might be living in houses that they want ahead of time as well and it just snowballs into this really positive um, environment to be working in through these months where maybe people don't want to have viewings around and it is muddy and it's cold and it's shit but you can still get instructions so
1: do you know one thing I want to pick up on, on there and just very quickly before we dive in and introduce today's guest, we had a conversation about this. I watched that video and we were having a conversation about this. And I think we talked on the show about the importance of prospecting and speaking to people at this time of year. But I think the point that you made in that video it actually a really valid one that it's not only speaking to people but it's controlling the rhetoric controlling the conversations guiding people and um, so you're not just saying okay i'll call you next year you are saying, well you're challenging them and you, have you thought about this we said before as agents you know the language we use is our weapon. it's going to be so important over the next six eight weeks that we are challenging people right. rather than just saying okay let's wait till till next year because the really the best estate agents will be doing that and getting those signed listening agreements like you say i think it's really important point Absolutely. Okay, cool. Let's go in. Let's dive in and introduce the guest, Sam.
0: Today's guest started his business from home in 2004 and has grown it over the last 17 years to be a two-branch network with 16 staff. While he's still out on the tools every now and again, he spends most of his time working on the business and looking at ways of growing and future-proofing his own agency as well as delivering on the customer service he prides himself on for the people that he works for. He's probably still recovering from how many times he had to walk up the stairs at the stage of the Estes last week after winning award after award. Stacey Davies-Bowler, director of Pinewood Property. Sorry about that. Welcome to the World Class Agency Podcast. Hi Sam. Good morning. Good morning.
1: Good hey. morning, Stacey. A few, Come on. a few awards. A few, a few awards. Was it? What, what, did you, uh, what did you take home?
2: We won. Uh, Gold for best lettings and best uh, sorry best lettings voted for by landlords and voted for by tenants for these Midlands became silver for sales in that district as well. We won. Silver for the best two to five branch, two to five branch network, and we won the overall Grand Prix, best in Lettings, voted for by tenants. So six awards in total, I think, something like that. So yeah, great, great day. So yeah Sam's right. I, I was up and down like a yo-yo, to be fair.
0: <laughs> what well a mate.
2: Yeah, Sam. Yeah,
1: fantastic. Congratulations. A, a, a great, a great event, man. That's a really, really good performance. Um, so hopefully you're, you're going to be well versed for the first question that we ask every every guest that comes on this show. And it's what does world class estate agency look like to you, Stacey?
2: Uh, simply, simply put, great customer service. Uh, there's, there's no without that you have no business. You have no structure, or certainly no long term business. Um, yeah, with, without that's where that's why we're we where we are today. Um, incidentally, Sam, we are we're now four branch network um we acquired another reputable agency at the beginning of the year um who equally had good customer service and and that's why we we were attracted to those the owner was retiring so yeah it's simple simple mark it's it's good customer service without it you have no you have no long-term long-term life
0: can we um maybe go a level deeper on that question and can you walk us through and actually this was sort of relating to a question I wanted to ask about what got you so many of those uh, recent Estes Awards, but can you walk us through what that great customer service looks like? So what can, if I if I called up Pinewood Properties today and I said, hi, my name's Sam Hunter, I want to sell my house in East Midlands or I want to let my property in East Midlands, what can I expect from you? Uh,
2: we do what we say we're so going to do. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm a former engineer. I, I didn't I didn't start life as, uh, as an estate agent. So being an engineer, we are very we are very structured. We have step-by-step processes that we have to follow. And when I started the agency, I broke the whole process of sales and lettings down into tick boxes, almost. So everything, every single thing that happens is signed off. And so at any point, if somebody, a member of staff is dealing with you, Sam, for example, and they fall sick, which happens, somebody else can pick their workflow up. And look and say oh we've got to ring sam today we've got to follow up with sam because she's the, he's, he's thinking of signing the contract for example just for example mm. so nothing gets missed um if nothing gets missed and we do what we say we're going to do and do it exceptionally well then there is that is customer service down to the core it's there's it can't you can't get it wrong if you mm. follow that process
0: I, I like that mentality of can't get it wrong um, because again, somebody joins you tomorrow and you say, we've got to just follow this process away where you go.
2: Yeah. And you, and you don't, but by having these processes in place and they are, they are written down, they're off, they are forms. We've now built them into our CRM system. Uh, acquiring the agency earlier in this year, actually merging the businesses was very easy, very easy. I thought it would be a massive, massive task for us. We're just an independent. We don't have no corporate support behind us. And uh, when, we, when we acquired the other agency, we literally walked in and said, obviously not, not, not with a sledgehammer, and said, right, these are our processes and we need to look at your processes, see what marries up, but this is the process you're going to have to follow. And they just they picked, the, they picked the, we call them SOPs, they picked the SOPs up and they ran with them. And so instantly the, all, the other two branches were running exactly like Pinewood did previously. So the merge went, it was almost, well, it was almost too simple. I felt like I kept thinking we'd missed something. <laughs> so yeah, it does work. The system works; has proven it's worked for us.
1: I love I love the simplicity of it as well. It's you know that you're going back right back to and um, doing exactly what you say you're going to do. Something you talked about there is you said you do what you say you're going to do. Make sure that nothing gets gets missed. And when you're doing something, whether that's client contact or what have you, you do it well. So can you tell me what you think? you do well how how's your client contact different to that of other agents for example can you try and give us sort of a bit of a practical example of what in your opinion doing a state agency well is
2: um working efficiently uh is important but the customer all the customer wants is communication that's it mm-hmm. they, they want communication they want you to do what you say you're going to do and and if that means that customer, we have a needy customer, for example, and they want speaking to speak into twice a week. Um, we're all different so as individuals. We're all different as customers. Then that is what we do for that customer. Mm-hmm. We don't turn around to that customer and say, "No, we will only ring you every fortnight, or we'll only ring you whenever we've got an update." We'll ring the customer, even if we don't have any progress for them, but at least to touch base with them because that in that call there may be an opportunity. Not that I'm condoning this, but the may be the, the client may turn around and go, "You know what? I'm glad you've rang me because I've been thinking about reducing the property." That's just as an example where they may not have made that that step forward an, an action to do that. Um, but yeah, if we if the customer is required, wants that, needs that, then well, we'll supply that within reason, of course. We will bend the bespoke a package for the client for the customer. Most clients nowadays are pretty similar. So if we've got to bespoke something, we're not going too far off on a tangent. Mm. Most customers, because of the CRM system, because of the technology that we've got now that helps us keep keep in contact and communication with that client, um, it's made it a little bit easier for us, to be fair. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, We are meant to be the professionals in our industry, in the property market. And that customer and client, when they come to us with a question, they expect an answer, not necessarily immediately, but they expect an answer and we're there to support them.
0: Can I ask you a quick question about that? <clears throat> so we, we've talked um, on this show a few times over the last couple of years about the importance of calling your clients, even when you've got no news to tell them, and it's it's building up that emotional bank account. Do you have, how do you get that message across to your team if perhaps they've joined you and they're, they've not been in an agency before, which is probably a bit easier, but maybe they've come from somewhere where they just did that weekly client contact and we made up whatever we could tell them just to make sure that something was, was there to be saying, yeah, we did this. And they said this.
2: Yeah. it's it.
0: that sometimes
2: that I mean, is difficult. Uh, okay. Somebody coming in from um, another agency uh, that has been trained versus a particular way, particularly if it's the only agency they've worked at for some years that sometimes can be challenging mm. um, you know, writing up simple things like writing the notes or after they spoken to a client. It, you know, some some agencies, a lot of agencies, I dare say, from my experience of recruiting other uh, e- quality, uh, experienced estate agents, a lot of them don't even write notes up into the CRM system, which is barbaric. Uh, so yeah, we sometimes have to we start we start with a gentle push, then it gets a bit heavier, and sometimes it, it just doesn't work sometimes. You are right. Bringing somebody in from a cold start, it's easier to train. But yeah, they, 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 it can be problematic at times. It can be difficult. That can. But because of the strict processes we've got here, it's either it's either it's either fall in line, or, or they're not going to meet the grade. It's mm-hmm. as simple as that. We can't we can't have an individual letting the rest of the quality team down. You know, it's it's without. Well, we're right back to my first statement. Without good customer service, we don't have a long business. So
0: that was actually going to be my next question because we we don't talk about recruitment enough on this. Uh, And actually, Mark and I have conversations like in our real lives as as mates about the challenges around recruitment. And how do you know if somebody's right? Because everyone interviews well, you know. But actually, we've had some – well, we've had more success over the last – three or four months maybe it's a bit longer and I'm just yeah. I'm, I am I feel like my team's going to listen to this now and be like I started five months ago Are you say I'm shit um, <laughs> yeah. um, but when we've taken it off so the focus for us on hiring now is is this person going to benefit our customer not is this person going to benefit us and is yeah. that sort of a mentality that you take into what you're doing now like when you're interviewing you said before we hit record today that you've got interviews on today. Yeah. Are you going to be visualizing them talking to the people that matter most to you? Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Uh, recruitment for me personally is, is a nightmare job. I dislike it immensely uh, because you, you, I think you've just said it so. We, we have a two-stage interview to try and um, filter out those that are putting on a front for that first interview. Um, but even so, this so many slip through the net. And when the, the first day they turn up, you wonder where that person this, that that person's gone yeah. that you interviewed because they're completely different, com- completely different people. Yeah, we we we're now completely and utterly focused on the customer service. I would sooner recruit somebody that's got an understanding of customer service that so seems to have the right attitude which is difficult to get in a you know in a one or two hour interview
0: mm.
2: but seems to have the right attitude towards the customer not towards our industry or towards the business because we can train the industry we can give them that information we can train them our processes and give them all that information but we can't train their attitude that attitude is inbuilt in nearly all of us you you will have your own attitude towards business or individuals or people or the company i've got my own and and to be fair not many of us move so we type, we look for the, the individual that appears to have the right attitude but, but the right focus in customer service so we would be more likely to recruit somebody that's come from a customer service background and actually an estate agency background the only problem we've experienced with that is a lot of people don't really understand the pressures that come in a state agency, the, 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 the pace at which this industry runs is immense now. It's non stop. So that can often add pressure that some people are not comfortable with. Mm. You either love it or loathe it, Sam, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Do you think I want, to, I want to talk about sort of changes in, in your business and in, in your service? since you were, you were set up. But I just wanted to talk about that, those pressures that you, you you mentioned there. Do you think that's something that's got worse whilst you've been in business? Do you think the, those pressures have increased?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Customer demands, um, demands or expectations, I'm not sure, but them two have probably merged, in two words, uh, have increased incredibly, absolutely incredibly. And then you've got the added pressure of, in, and I'm only speaking about state agency, You've got added pressure of uh, corporates cutting fees, slashing fees. So it's almost a race to the bottom. And then then on top of that compounding that is this expectation, high expectation from the customer. So you're you're having to give an an A-star performance for sometimes uh, a a C-grade fee, so to speak. Mm. We have been reluctant as a company to chase to the bottom um to try and say to the client look you can you can go and get your you know 0.5% on your sale or you can go and get your you know 7% fully managed but you're not going to get our service and we do see mark we do see customers go that way and then come back to us we yeah. do see it so we know that the service isn't there when they're chasing to the bottom but that that those two things customer expectation um, and demand and the fee thing has increased pressure massively across across this country we're members of the FIA and we've got you know affiliates all over the all over the country and they're all I've had this conversation with them and they're all experiencing the same thing so it's this customer expectation mm-hmm. v fees
1: and how how do you protect your team from that from those you know, those pressures that you you talk about because I think it's really important that you know, we do protect them to a, to a certain extent, if it's possible to protect them.
2: Yeah, that one's hard, Mark, if I'm being truthful. Um, a lot of the backroom conversations that I don't, that I have to have and decisions I have to make, I don't often spill that into the, into the main team. I try sure. to keep, almost like a, the, the, the Swan scenario, you know, on the top, it's all lovely. Underneath, you're having like mad. And the, I try to allow them to see the Swan. Yeah, rather yeah. than the swan's feet. So uh, it is it is a tough one. And there are certain members of the team, like the branch managers, for example, they have to be involved um, and they, they, they those pressures are added to them. But most of the front office team and the back office team are kept quietly comfortable, I think, when it comes to the information. I, I just I give them the positive stuff, the positive stories to keep them upbeat.
0: It is um, one of the real challenges of leadership, I think, because you want to be as a leader. I mean, certainly the people that um, I look to to advise me, I guess, we all want to be as transparent as possible, but there is a time and a place for, you know, even a business that is flying has shit days, you know, speaking very frankly. And actually, do you want to share those times with the rest of the team? Not really, because actually it may impact them on a greater scale than um, otherwise it, it should, because they don't know the, the rest of the story or anything like that. And, and it's a really double-edged sword. I mean, we, we used to, in this business as we were building it, it was really easy when there was a handful of us, you know, because everyone was in it, everyone knew everything, you sat next to each other, the good, the bad, and the ugly was all there and you all just you just fought on you just kept rowing every single day and now that there's a few more people you pick and choose at what point you tell you'd still tell the whole like all the stories but you pick and choose at what point everybody comes into it and that's actually a real fundamental challenge I still find myself in. I want to tell everybody everything but actually you do you do need to protect them from the emotional roller coaster of what goes on in a business almost every day I think it can, it can and because everybody's
2: different, pe- people can sometimes hang on to, um, I was going to say negative news, but I don't mean negative news, but uh, you know, something that's not going quite so well, especially if it touches their industry or in my industry, uh, sorry, their sector or, or maybe a particular branch. Some people will just hang on to it and it can have a real negative mental effect on those individuals. And we're not all made the same, so. and And some of us handle information um, positive or negative, differently. You know, it's so. Yeah, it is. It is for my because I I I'm not a trained manager or a trained boss. I I almost fell into this industry twenty odd years ago. Um, yeah, for me, it's one of the biggest challenges is is managing staff, managing people. And as you're right, we were exactly the same as as home search. Um, we used to. All work in the same singular office, all together, all shouting across, and it was all bedlam. And we all knew each other's inside leg measurements and everything. It was just, and as the teams grown to what is now four branches and thirty something staff, it is it's really quite challenging for, for me as an individual. But so yeah, there I will only give them certain bits of news, just like you guys. Really, the industries although we're different, although we're in the same same sector. The industries are different. From a management perspective, we did the same as you.
0: Um, We're recording this and it's uh, start of November. This is going to go out um, in a week's time. And Mark and I were talking in our intro about how you could almost split the industry in two different camps at this time of year, every year. It doesn't matter if we're coming off the back of the biggest boom market that there's been in, you know, everyone's memory basically, or whether it's been that before Brexit market where nothing really happened and everyone's sort of scraping by as soon as it seems to hit November and everyone's, you know, wiped their Halloween paint off and thrown their pumpkins away. There's, there's one half of an industry that's shutting up shop. And there's other, another half of the industry that's like, right, this is actually the time where I can widen the gap between me and my nearest competitors, because I understand that there is still so many, crucial conversations to be having out in the market. How do you like one, I, I'm pretty sure I know what camp you sit in, but confirm that for us. And how do you guys go about keeping your teams focused on, you know, having that high level of stock through these these winter months where traditionally people are just like, oh, I'll just wait to spring. I think some, in
2: truth,
0: it's
2: for me, it's very it's not simple. Of course it's not simple. <laughs> that would be very, very naive of me to suggest that. But the, the, the answer to that question is straightforward. Um, many years ago, I said to a chap, there, there was a comment, um, sorry, not me. It was a, a colleague of mine, said to a chap, who was in a meeting, room, and this chap, not mentioned his name, very experienced in the industry, very well known. And uh, the question was thrown, how do I get more, I need more valuations, how do I get more valuations? And this chap turned around to my colleague and said, uh, you should be prospecting six months ago. So if you're not prospecting and you haven't been for six months, you've missed the boat, basically, for now.
0: Mm.
2: And that resonated with both me and my colleague as well. That resonated with, with me. and So we believe that constant prospecting, 12 months of the year, will keep the boat moving. It's no good getting to November and saying, Oh, it's all slowing down. I better start prospecting. You've got to be prospecting for November in June, in you know May, to, to, to stand a chance of bringing that stock in. There is still stock coming to the market, Sam, as you know. Um, mm. It just slows down. There's still people selling. There's still people buying. It just slows down. And if we want to be one of those agents that are taking on that stock, that limited amount of stock, we need to be the brand that is landing on their doorstep. And we need to be the brand that is showing a positive and assertive uh, move towards selling and marketing and listing property. If we just, if, 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 for example, we put this call down and this call, and I didn't prospect and I hadn't prospected from summer, mid-summer, early summer, and I just sat while I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the phone to ring,
0: mm.
2: just because somebody knows of Pinewood that's it that's all i'm doing what we need to be doing with the prospecting is to make sure that people know about pinewood before they're even thinking of selling so we just constantly 12 months of the year we prospect 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 whether that's off market whether that's on market we just const- we just constantly
0: doing it all the time
2: spend a fortune but okay?
0: <laughs> it gets results though doesn't it and it gives you probably you might I, one of the um, points that i make at uh, sort of this time every year and i apologize to everyone who literally is been listening to me for a few years now is christmas dinner tastes better when you've got 20 listings in your top drawer genuinely right <laughs> you, you can crack a beer at 8 a.m like happily not out of depression when you've got literally locked away the key's still in your pocket where you know what's launching whether it's boxing day if you buy into the hype of a boxing day launch or whether it's the 10th of january whether it's people who are thinking about selling in april but you said, right, sign this piece of paper and I'm your agent for the next four months, let alone when you're ready to rock and roll as well. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that's down to your prospecting. It's, yeah,
2: it is down to the prospecting. Your, your brand awareness is key. Uh, and the prospecting, like I said, whether somebody is thinking of something at that moment, the minute we drop a letter into their door that's saying we have a client looking for a three-bed, semi-detached property, because we do do this genuinely, uh, if we get a client that they're not found somewhere, one thing we promote is that we will try and find them a property. And over the last 18 months, I'll be honest, we've had great success with that. We've sold some big property, we've sold some little, little property, and all off-market stuff that we've introduced. Mm-hmm. And We don't charge for that service to the uh, person that's looking. I know some agents are trying to charge for that. We don't charge for that. We're just looking to get the deal on the back end. That's all. And it also promotes us as being an assertive agent again.
0: Hmm.
2: so you know if we can sit in front of somebody and say look you know okay so you're looking for a three-bed semi in this particular district let's have a quick look actually there's 125 that comes up on my off market
0: it's it's powerful isn't it i mean that's uh, yeah you've like that is everything that we've been promoting from from our business to our customers for the last year and it just results in like the the roi is phenomenal you know off the back of it because it, it means that you talk about. Being the brand that lands on the doorstep I love that language you know but actually what you're doing is you've just turned your core business generation that you do for 12 months a year into the most compelling part of why someone wants to work for you yeah and it's just it comes back to the very first point that you made right world-class agencies great customer service and that's simple. what that is <laughs> yeah. it's simple it's just fill in any you
2: see a gap you fill it um, and you give the customer what they're looking for and what a, and a customer wants, Really, from an agent, they want uh, – There's a quite, in fact, Sam, I use your questions, actually. I built a questionnaire sheet. You gave us 10 questions once. Um, probably yeah, yeah the, the yeah. service survey.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And we still use it. All our is still use it. Not, not on every client because it's not always suitable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, on the majority, 80% probably. And one of the questions on there is quality. And what what has uh, resonated with me? It's it's one of the three most. What are the three things you expect from or, your estate uh, agent? Yeah, from yeah. your estate agent. And it's it's um, what's interesting. And we keep our, we keep them. We scan them and store them up to the uh, to the client in the CRM system. That's so cool. What What's interesting is that those three answers are nearly always, always the same. The same. Yeah. Always communication, a reasonable fee. And sell my house. Yeah. That's it. The three things that customers want from the estate agent. So we're promising that we will do that. Great customer service, a reasonable fee, and we will sell your house as long as they list it at the price that we believe is, is sensible, of course. Yeah. And if it on top of that, we can then help them find a house, that's something they didn't expect. That's got to be not just excellence customer service, superb customer mm. service if they ever think of selling a house again, I believe they're only ever gonna come back to us. So remember what I said about the customer service, we're not here for the get rich quick scheme, as is a long-term view, and we want repeat customers. And we're getting that all the time now, so. I
0: love that. Good.
1: I want, I, want, I want to take a bit of a sideways step from the Sam Hunter and home search loving for a minute. If that's all Sorry I guys, <laughs> it's a good server. It
2: is good. It is. It works.
1: It does work. It yeah. breaks
2: that ice, Sam. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was, I was going to ask if there was a tool that you know that could, could do all of this new business generation. Move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just want to, just, just, just before we wrap up, Stacey, I really appreciate your time. Really appreciate your honesty as well. Um, mm. uh, a few minutes ago, when you were talking about leadership and um, the, the swan analogy, really, really like that. And I was very honest. So thank you very much for that. But I just want to talk about Pinewood and sort of a little bit about the future. You, you said about your acquisition earlier this year. What's, what's next? Um, for Pinewood and how has your business changed since launching it? Has it changed more in the last two years because of everything that's gone on or has it been sort of a a gradual progression?
2: Uh, It's it's been a gradual progression, Mark. Um, We we actually started life out as a a property management investment company. Um, So we didn't actually initially do sales and that then evolved and we ended up incorporating sales and then quickly realised we needed more than just two legs to our business. So we now do land. We now do new homes. Uh, we now do developments. So we've, we've in theory got five legs to our business. And the reason why, and this was not instant. Mark. This, this is something that just we introduced another leg. Once we were settled, then we'd introduce another leg, and once we were, so it's been a steady thing. Um, so more calculated rather than going bang, bang, bang. Uh, my view of that was if, if they hypothetically uh, land land just the desire for land just fell off the face of the earth because you know no planners were granting planning hypothetically we've still got four other legs to our business if land fell off the earth that would mean naturally new builds would fell off the end of the earth but that means we've still got three legs to our business so we're still very stable and so for me having the different legs that that makes us a strong and, and stable company but no it was an, an, an evolution um, and we, we slowly develop these over the years to where we are today. And I'm always looking for anything else that we can we can do that will strengthen our business. Um, we have a, a huge, huge rental book. Um, I don't know, something like 13, 1,400 fully managed, about 2,500 on our books. So that alone makes us very stable, very strong. Um, so if the housing market crashes altogether, If nothing, no other business exchanged, our management book will keep us keep us nice and stable Um, for the future. uh, The plan is to still grow. We're only just settling off the back of the acquisition uh, back in March, and um, yeah, I'm already in talks with another agency, uh, and we're plan. I'd, I'd like to see seven branches. Um, There's something, thing, and Sam, you'll probably know, you might know Mark as well, but there's an Australian, I think he's Australian, forgive me, Sam, if he's not, uh, uh, Darren uh, Sherlaw, I've seen him speak a few times, he's an economist, um, but he specialises in the property market. Very very intelligent man. Very intelligent man. And I saw him talk at the Isle Conference uh, many years ago, about 15 years ago, no, not 15, about 10 years ago. And he was talking about estate agent structure and branch numbers and where you fall into profit. If you're doing if you're doing a good job, basically at one branch you'll be making good money.
0: Mm.
2: If you're doing a good job, two branches you're going to see it start getting tighter. Three branches it's really tight. At four you start making good money again. And then at five, gets tighter. Six tighter. Seven, you're off the scale. You're making big, big money. So my target is seven branches by the time I'm fifty-five, which I've got six years, five and a half years to go. <laughs>
1: but whether I we go, it. sorry. I love it. I love. I love the the timeline on it. All of that. Mm. That's, that's great. Those, the, to have those targets, I think, is always really positive.
2: It's 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 a whether we achieve that mark. Well, we've got to have those. We've got to set the goals. Otherwise we'll just drift. I'm we'll pretty just... confident you will. I hope so. I hope you're
0: right. <laughs> I hope you're right. Stacy. I think um, I've, I've been making notes this whole conversation. Um, and, you know, the first question was, what does world-class estate agency look like to you? And you said it's great customer service. And for the last half an hour, we've been literally dissecting what that actually looks like, you know, from how you bring new people into the business and how they focus has to be on the customer rather than your business, because that's what's going to make it long-term through to, you know, how you actually help people move house, not just put a sign out the front, whack it on a portal and hope for the best. So yeah, it's been a great conversation from Mark and I's perspective. And I think everybody listening is going to be able to take loads out of this as well. So from both of us and everyone listening, I just wanted to say a really sincere thank you and an apology for saying you only had two offices and 16 staff when you got four and 30. <sighs> There you go.
2: So, so, I mean, it's it's all a bit of a blur since March, anyway. So, uh, you know, I I understand this. It's it's fine. You're not to know that. So, uh, I'm still even all the digital footprint that we've got out there, we're still tidying that bit up. You Mm. know, there's information like where you've picked that information up from that needs changing. But that's been the biggest challenge for me, truthful, (laughs) that digital footprint. Yeah. yeah. um, But thank you guys for for inviting me. I've actually, I've ever. not sure, I sound like I'm surprised. I've enjoyed it. I always enjoy talking to you, Sam. So anyway, but and Mark, I've enjoyed you today as
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Stacey. Thank you.
2: You're welcome, mate. You're welcome.
1: And I thank you once again to Stacey Davis-Bowler for joining us from Pinewood Properties today. And I don't know about you, Sam. Um, I didn't congratulate you on your Esther's Award, actually, but <laughs> enough enough about you. Um, what I really liked about the chat um, within that was the simplicity and how yeah. it started so it was just simple and i always say to people and when we're recruiting and we're speaking to people about a state agency um it is a simple industry that people manage to get so so wrong and i think his answer to world-class agency um was unashamedly simple great customer service and yeah. you know he, he put it back and he even went as far to say, you know, without that, you have no long-term business. And I'm thinking thinking back to some businesses that start up and charge low fees and offer terrible customer service that go back then down by the wayside in a couple of years. And I'm thinking there's loads of agents that be listening to this that understand the flip side of that, that if you have poor customer service, you might have a business short-term but not long-term. But I just thought it was, it was so simple. And the fact that um, Stacy's delivered a structure, but again, that structure is simple because it's tick boxes. And, you know, in this job, if you do what you say you're going to do, ensuring that nothing gets missed, you are able to deliver great customer service.
0: That to me was almost, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that we covered in that, but that was the first note that I wrote down, right? Um, Workflows, tick boxes, everything gets signed off, nothing gets missed, right? It's hard to get it wrong if everything's written down and followed. And we've got... the reason why I wrote that down and it it sort of made me you know, readjust my head, literally readjust my headset and lean into my laptop a bit more is actually we've got workflows and tick boxes, I, I think to my own business now. Um, but do we follow that process all the time? Are we militant about it? Is anything being missed? Um, and that's the question I'm going to go away and ask today. And actually I'm thinking about blocking out some time like literally days worth of time to go back through and look at how we can improve those processes because you saw in there. And, and I really love when we speak to people who join us on this show and they just make it about really fundamental basics. You know, we're not reinventing the wheel. We are doing what we say we're going to do and we're delivering on everything that we promise and life takes care of itself. And actually how often I'm guilty of this, you know, I shared a, a post this morning from friend of the show, Matt Baldock. Uh, and and he sort of said like, your focus in November is not, I've got to like focus on what I've got to hit before the end of the year. It's I focus on my goals to get going. Actually, I've been really guilty of, we set ourselves, our big hairy audacious goal this year, you know, and we're pretty close to hitting it with call it six weeks left of the actual business year. And then two weeks of enjoying our Christmas parties and, you know, sharing some gratitude for people for going through another quite weird year. Yeah. But I've not gone back and looked at anything that we've implemented to make sure it's still implemented or actually whether it can be improved or not. And that was my one massive takeaway from this is it's very clear that Stacey's is always thinking, what more can we be offering for the customers? What we determined was the best thing for our customer base six months ago, 12 months ago, two years ago, still the best thing. And do we need to go and rinse and repeat that to make sure that still Everything's signed off. Nothing's missed. You know, are we making sure that we're still not getting things wrong because we're following the right process? So that was, that was, um, you know, the most practical and also the most important point that came across in that for me. And actually um, anybody who says they call their customer when they've got nothing to tell them is going to be just like friend of mine forever, because we talk about this so often, don't we, about how important it is to call people and say, there's no news. We hadn't had any inquiry. We won't be able to book viewings that, you know, we've get, got feedback from everybody and we've not had anything new. Why do you think that is, you know, this is getting, Because you do that two times in a row and then you've got to have a meeting with them and you've got to talk about this, particularly now as there's less stock on the market. And actually a lot of the stock that is currently out there now is probably a little bit North of where it ought to be. So if your competition's not having those conversations, that's going to give you an opportunity to have those Um And if you're protecting the stock from anyone else who might be going out there, you've got to be having those conversations even when nothing's happening right now, particularly over the next eight weeks, 10 weeks, you know, where things may be a little bit slower. It comes down to that communication and keeping your promises as as Stacey was talking about.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and he talked about, you know, with the question that you asked him about, making sure that you're keeping consistent and not shutting up shop. But this time of year is is a great time to have a look at those processes. You know, we've Mm -hmm. been running around as, as... you know, estate agents for 18 months basically. I'm sure there's not very many agents that have had the time to take a step back, review the processes and improve them. And as you said, as your business grows, make sure that everyone's implementing them. That's one thing that following this I'm going to go away and do as well is that make sure that the processes that we changed have and are still being implemented the way that they're meant to be. Because I think sometimes when you're running around that, that can be lost. And a couple of other things I really liked from Stacey. I said in the interview, really liked his honesty about the pressure of running a business. Mm. Um, probably didn't expect him to be quite as honest as he, as he, as he was with that. and that, That's one analogy. So hopefully if there are any business leaders listening that do feel like that, um, then they get that little bit of reassurance of knowing that they're not on their own as well um, with, with having those sorts of thoughts. Um, and the final point I just want to talk about, Sam, is the big thing that i'm taking away from from this and it's it's just a reminder no matter how many times you you hear this sort of thing you know when you when we do something like this you only need one thing to take away my one thing today the biggest thing for me was the, you know i need more instructions okay you should have been prospecting six 12 months ago then yeah. you've got to prospect twelve twelve months of the year so so powerful and i think we all know you know so true
0: exactly and there's you know Prospect, prospect, prospect. Literally the three words that I've written down on that point that came out of Stacey's mouth. It's the lifeblood of your business. And fortunately, if you're listening to this show, and there are a few agents that listen to this now every week, which is quite encouraging, you know, certainly more than there were six months ago, a fair few more than there were a year ago. (laughs) If you're listening to this, you're probably one of the few agents that might actually get out there and do some prospecting compared to everyone else so because and if you think about now so this is the what is it date that it's going to be this is me now checking where we are it's going to be the 9th of november when this goes out i should have been able to do two plus seven in my head um what a day hey um you've got three months where if you're thinking about not doing it everyone else is as well you know and it's that old when they go low we go high you know, be greedy when others are fearful, be fearful when others are greedy mentality of, this is the time where you can actually start widening the gap between you and your closest competitors, you know? So think about if you're not wanting to pick up the telephone, so is everyone else, which gives you more impetus to do so. If you don't want to send any letters, no one else is, you know, if you don't want to do flyer drops, you don't do social media advertising, you don't invest in a good CRM that can actually contact people automatically for you. They're all the biggest, clearest most obvious in some cases simplest opportunities for you as well you know it's a wonderful time of year everybody you know is talking to everybody they know right now you know so if you're not having those conversations and making sure that if someone ever says yeah we're thinking about moving next year they go oh, i was talking to my estate agent mark from moving works the other day you should have a chat to him if that doesn't give you input it's enough to prospect 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 you know to make sure you have that long-term business like stacy was talking about then i don't know what will
1: yeah, and if you are having those thoughts, my advice would, would be if listening to this and us banging the drum on this isn't, isn't enough, my biggest takeaways I've had on that, read Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blount. And if you listen to this, presumably, podcast, go back and find the Estate Agent podcast. And I think Stephen interviewed him as well. Um, so Jeb Blount on, on that. If you listen to that uh, this next week and then implement that for those next three months, you're going to gain massively over your, your competitors. And I completely agree Um, you know, to be greedy when others are fearful and all of that sort of thing. It's a great opportunity now to get Steeler March for six months' time, as uh, as Stacey quite rightly said. Agreed. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, I must thank you once again to to Stacey. Thank you very much for listening. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it improve and get better. So when you're talking to everybody that you know, tell them about the podcast. Please rate and review and share it out on social media. I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much, and we will see you again next week.